0: Episode 1. A pop. The Walking Dead. Are you scared?
1: Uh, I am scared.
0: With Ken Mills and Courtney Dold. Uh. (laughs) Excuse me. That was not me imitating a zombie. I was clearing the frogs. In my throat. <laughs> Welcome to episode one of Pop, a pop culture podcast. I'm Ken Mills,
1: and I'm Courtney Cronendold.
0: Ah, uh, three names. It must be real. <laughs> Who I don't would walk make around that name up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank everybody for listening to episode zero. We had a huge response, and you're out there. You're really out there. They like us. They really like us, Courtney.
1: They do! Do Yes,
0: it's true, it's true. They like us, and we thank you for jogging the recessed cobwebs in your mind with us. It was cool to see all the responses, and we are fulfilling one of our promises. In episode zero, somebody asked for us to talk about The Walking Dead. And Mm -hmm. today, we are going to talk about The Walking Dead, the phenomena of The Walking Dead. We're going to have two fine gentlemen from Canada, from the Talking Dead podcast. They will be here later. They're going to sit down with me in the Pop Cafe, and we are going to discuss all things The Walking Dead, all things Talking Dead podcasting, merchandising, and all that sort of stuff, and our first Canadians to appear on the show. Oh. How polite of them.
1: It is polite. Canadians are polite.
0: They are. They absolutely are. Uh, we really appreciate all the feedback that we've been getting on Facebook, and some yeah. people have left some iTunes reviews, and we will be reading those occasionally. And we've decided that our next episode is going to be about. Are you ready? I'm ready. The Muppets. It's the Muppet Show. <laughs> it, it was a much requested episode, and we're going to do it. We're going to tackle that and we're also going to do a review of the new show Riverdale on yes. the CW. so it's kind of Archie's meets Twin Peaks so it's it's very bizarre but but we will get into that. So see us on episode two for that. Wow, we've had a lot of great response on the pop culture. Facebook page and you can find us at facebook.com forward slash group forward slash pop podcast a lot of people hanging out there we're, we're growing we're almost that is cool yeah it's, it's amazing uh, a lot of people are finding us and we are now officially on the iTunes so now we're big time here we go we're gonna we're just gonna pop it's gonna be fantastic the other day I put up a poll and we're going to have the results of that poll in a future episode but it was you know it's it's strange in our world it comes down to two all the time right like it's always two things whether it's two teams in the super bowl or like two car companies for example fire is say what are the two biggest car companies it's probably ford and chevy right sure it is yeah and there's those people that'll fight you know <laughs> Sure it is. Yeah. And like yeah. Marvel versus DC or, you know, Coke versus Pepsi, things like that. It kind of comes down to one or two things. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, Courtney, you know, in an attempt to get to know you better, I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. Pop or soda? Ah.
1: Uh-huh. I, well, I don't drink it. Right. But if I'm going to order one, I, I say soda. But yeah. when I was a kid, I said pop.
0: And that's because you're from the Northeast. Original, right. right?
1: Well, Pop.
0: Yeah. 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 My S-
1: aunt calls it tonic. Tonic. Uh huh. What century is she from? She's, I don't know.
0: She's like seventeenth. She calls century? it
1: sarsaparilla. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Who would like a glass of sarsaparilla?
0: Someone give uh, me a tonic.
1: <laughs> a tonic.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of different, but uh, it, it's weird because it is a regional thing, right? Yeah, it's totally a regional thing. Like, for example, uh, I, I know that I grew up calling everything pop, right? But like, mm-hmm. I remember going to Georgia once, and everybody called everything a Coca Cola. Everything was a Coca Cola. Uh-huh. You could ask for a Mountain Dew, and it was still a Coca Cola. Everything was a Coke. Everything uh-huh. was a Coke. Yeah, like Coke, I would hold yeah. up a shoe. It's a Coke. I'll take a Coke. You know. <laughs> All right, it's gonna taste weird. Kathy Davini writes on Facebook, I would love to hear discussions on comedy and music. And this is going to have to be like an entire show, right?
1: Oh, God, yeah. I mean, because too many things. Yeah. yeah.
0: But just off the top of, top of the head, what was the first song that you remember ever hearing that was actually a song on like the Top 40 radio that was a goofy song? You know, was it The Bird or They're Coming to Take Me Away or, you know, what was it?
1: It was probably Pac-Man
0: Fever. Well, there you go.
1: That, I was little, I was, I was pretty young when that came out. And I remember that whole album. I remember Centipede was my favorite one. Because it was actually kind of had a nice melody.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: Pac-Man Fever, I feel like, was the first time I heard a song on the radio. And I'm like, what the heck? You know?
0: Then there's uh, things like Disco Duck and, of course, Weird Al's entire catalog, right? You know. Oh,
1: God. I've seen Weird Al in concert. Mm-hmm. A lot, actually. I mean, and so have a lot of your Zilch listeners, because he opened for the Monkees.
0: Absolutely.
1: But, yeah, but I think his best song is not a parody. It's an original song uh, called One More Minute that I think is so hilarious. And when he sang it in concert, he would have a boa on, mm-hmm. and he would go out into the audience and sit on women's laps and sing it in their face. Weird. <laughs> can't even talk about it it was so funny genius I think I was like 13 14 I'm like this guy is a genius like that just that was it I'm weird al diehard forever because of that moment
0: should we play that
1: oh my god one more minute yes it's so good
0: and I assume this will be off of his brand new all-encompassing box set that he's got coming out which is shaped like an accordion
1: Oh, it has to be, because it was such, yeah. No, he always played this in concert.
0: Yeah. We're going to have to try to get Weird Al on the show.
1: Oh, that'd be
0: great. We've got to try. Well, here's Weird Al with One More Minute.
2: Well, I heard that you're leaving, going to leave. Decided that I'm not your kind You found somebody new. Cause I'd rather spend eternity eating sharks. Love trying to say, darling, I'd rather have my blood sucked out by leeches. leeches, Shove an ice pick under a toenail for two. I'd rather clean all the bathrooms in Grand Central Station with my tongue than spend one more minute with you. Yes, I'd rather jump naked on a huge... my nostrils together with crazy glue I'd rather dive into a swimming pool
1: dare to be stupid it's just doo it's yeah. just a doo
0: so yeah we're definitely going to do entire episodes on wacky songs and stuff like that i was a big fan of dr Demento growing up and then there's like our our beloved monkeys with uh i'm gonna buy me a dog for example.
1: yeah you know. i'm gonna buy me a dog
0: So check out that Weird Al box set and, you know, let us know what your favorite comedy in music songs are. You know, something like uh, whether it's They're Coming to Take Me Away or Hey Baby, I'm the Telephone Man. Did you ever hear that one? No. Oh, my God. Serious? You've never heard Telephone Man? No. Okay. All right. Maybe I have. Hang on. I'm going to have to play it for you right now. Okay? Okay. Well, here is Mary Wilson with Telephone Man. Here we go. This is it's actually disgusting, but here we go. Okay. This was a hit.
3: I rented my apartment on a Monday at one, singing Do Lolly Lolly Shaky Bum Shaky Bum. Started moving in it on a Tuesday at two, singing Do Lolly Lolly Shaky Do Shaky Do. Wednesday at three, I called the phone company, singing. Hey baby, put a phone in for me Thursday at 4 He came and knocking at my door Singing Hey baby, I'm your telephone name You just show me where you want it And I'll put it where I can I can put it in the bedroom I can put it in the hall I can put it in the bathroom I can hang it on the wall You can have it with the buzz You can have it with the ring And if you really want it You can have a ding-a-ling Because if Hey Leave that, and then he says, "Now when other fellows call, you Tell him how it all began." Well, my heart began to thumping and my mind began to fly, and I knew I wasn't dealing with the ordinary guy. So while he was talking, I was thinking up my plan. Then my fingers did the walking on the telephone man, singing, "Hey lolly, lolly, hey lolly, lolly, hey lolly, lolly." lolly. In, in way anyway, very weird. <laughs> so I got it in the bedroom and I got it in the hall and I got it in the bedroom and never hung heard it on the wall. I got it with the buzz and I got it with the ring. And when you told me what my number was, I got it ding a ling and singing, hey lolly what? lolly, hey lolly lolly, hey lolly lolly, just do doing my thing. <laughs> I've never done anything like this before. <laughs> <sighs>
0: Yeah, that is, uh uh-huh. That was a real thing. Seriously. (laughs) So here's the story of Telephone Man by Mary Wilson, okay? While singing some jingles in the studio in 1977, she caught the attention of Jim Rutledge, who introduced her to Boomer Castleman. All right? And they recorded a song called Telephone Man, which we just heard. The story of a woman and her amorous adventures with her telephone technician. (laughs) Filled with suggestive lyrics and her breathy, squealing voice. The song became a surprise hit single, climbing the UK singles chart to number 6. Spending 10 weeks in the listings, as well as making it to number 18 on the US Billboard Hot 100 chart. So Casey Kasem, at some point, had to read that. And now, here's Mary Wilson with Telephone Man. (laughs) So, at some point, that was a hit. And here's the weird thing. You ready for this? Yeah. Telephone Man by Mary Wilson and Telephone Line by ELO Song were back-to-back on the Hot 100 Top 40 for two non-consecutive weeks in the summer of 1977. America's Top 40. I'm Casey (laughs) Kasem. But yeah, so so that's that's an actual thing. I remember that song coming on, and my <laughs> grandmother saying, "You can turn that off right now." Oh, really? Oh yeah, straight. I off. wouldn't have understood the sexual. Well, see, that was the thing. Know, I like, wouldn't have
1: understood that you know, as a
0: kid. Nineteen seventy-seven. I was uh, fourteen years old, right? I didn't have it all together. Yeah. But I remember it, it it piqued my interest because the song was just playing, and like you'd be in the car, and like my aunt Vicky would be driving, and just <laughs> fork, and get to another station. Mm-hmm. And it would be like, oh, I don't know what's going on with that song. So I would wait for it to come on, like, oh, she's saying naughty stuff. You know, so it, it took me a while. <laughs> Back in 1977. Straight up. Are you there?
1: Yes, I'm here. I was just finding, like, the worst song ever, which is Yes, Sir, I Can Boogie. <laughs> it's on the radio all the time in Germany.
0: Oh, my God. I've never heard it.
1: Oh, okay. Hang on. You Just just, you have to fast forward to the middle of the song, because they repeat the chorus 5,000 times. This song comes on the radio in Germany all the time, and I'm just like, ugh. Who does it? A Bacara? Fucking horrible. Like, I can't even handle it. I can boogie, boogie, voogie. Oh, that's great. I didn't, yeah. It's just horrible.
0: <laughs> oh, no, there's sp-
1: says they're Spanish.
0: Yeah. I thought
3: they were German. Yes, sir. Already told you in the first verse. And in the course. But I will give you one more share.
0: That sounds like Abba gone wrong.
1: It's so bad. And and the the annoying part is if it comes on the radio, the I Can Boogie, they literally say it about 40 times. I'm not mm. exaggerating. That's not. It great. goes on for a solid like 2 minutes of
0: that I Can Boogie, Boogie Boogie. That that is just god awful and horrible. I wouldn't wish it's, that on my worst enemy.
1: Oh, God. It's, I can't. And it's on the radio in Germany all the time. And I'm just like, Ugh, turn it off.
0: <sighs> Courtney, when I said to someone, I'm going to talk about The Walking Dead, what was your reaction?
1: I was very upset.
0: You, you wept openly at first.
1: I did. I am one of the handful of people who has never, I can't even talk about it. I really start to dry heave. I can't <laughs> handle anything about zombies. I can't handle anything about zombies.
3: Uh, I
1: I can't. It makes me like dry heave
3: mm-hmm. and nope.
1: upset, and I just I can't handle. I know the Walking Dead is this amazing show. My my aunt my on my on my father's side, she loves this show. She watches it with my cousin. They they talk about it all the time. I can't do it. I can't watch it at all. In fact, I was at, I go to Universal Studios mm-hmm. quite a bit because the year pass is right. pretty much the same price as admission. So. I go there quite a bit, and they have a Walking Dead attraction. They do. They do, and it's pretty cool. Like, when you first walk in, it's like a helicopter that's crashed, and you go into this hospital that have, that has been taken over by zombies. Well, I said, alright, I'll do it, even though I have a paralyzing fear of zombies. It's the one thing I can't handle. I mm-hmm. can't watch anything. So, I went in with my 70-year-old mother, and my aunt and uncle who were in their late 60s i walked in with the three of them and when we got to the part where the hands were coming out through the doors and i started hearing people screaming down the hall i ran out the emergency exit
0: you're like fuck this i'm tapping out
1: yes they (laughs) made it all the way through and we're like it wasn't that bad Hmm. and i'm like i maybe not to you but i would have I, let's just say this. I'd need a new pair of pants, probably a new shirt, because I would have vomited on myself. I really seriously, like, it makes me physically ill. Anyway, on with the show!
0: Well, here's the weird thing. <laughs> like, for me, I've always been terrified of zombies ever since I saw Night of the Living Dead. That, To me, that movie has such a feeling of claustrophobia to it. Hmm. And it's shot in black and white, as you know, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and it's just become this huge cultural phenomenon. And one of the weird things about it is, is that that was filmed not far from where I grew up. I grew up on the Pennsylvania-Ohio border, and Uh uh, I had family on the Ohio side, and family on the Pennsylvania side. And it was weird seeing that movie as a teenager, a very young teen, because when they would say that, like, emergency sh- shelters have been set up in Sharon, Pennsylvania, or Meadville, Pennsylvania, I'm like, <gasps> uh-huh. That's I know where those places are! <laughs> 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 and as a kid growing up, we would, you know, see and hear things like... To me, if I saw something in Santa Monica, that place doesn't exist to me. I'm not from California. I don't that's right. that's a mythical place to me, you know what I'm saying? Right. Beaches and-, and sunshine in California and Beach Boy songs, that's all mythical stuff. That's that's nice and cool, but it's not real. These were places I had been. And not only that, but you would see like the guy who was the weatherman. He's in uh-huh. the movie as a reporter. So you had like these layers of what is real and what is not real. And it's almost shot like a documentary at times. So you saw people that were newscasters that were in that movie.
1: Uh huh.
0: So that was another layer of weirdness. So not only am I hearing about the uh, emergency centers being set up in towns that I knew, not far from me, but there was the guy who's doing the weather and now he's talking about the undead walking and it's just kind of bizarre, you know? So there was those different levels and I had an uncle who passed away Uh and I went and saw that movie. And from then on, I would have these dreams that he would come back and get me. And that film has such a feeling of claustrophobia that there's no way out. And the sad thing is, is of that movie if those people would have worked together, they could have survived the night. But,
1: <laughs> That's always the way it is, yeah. but then there'd be no movie. I'll tell you, the one that got me was The Return of the Living Dead.
0: Ah, I remember that. I remember that. That one was a little had a little bit of comedy to it, but...
1: Uh, yeah, it was a little campy. Still, it was campy, yeah, but Yeah, that it was just, the one
0: where they walked around going, brains! Yes. yes. Oh, I
1: can't even... Ugh. <clears throat> it makes me want to throw up, honestly. Yeah. I, I can't even talk about them. I, I just... It upset me I can't handle that movie the talking head and and the just the whole thought of eating brains oh god I can't can't. I seriously have to excuse myself from this podcast
0: I'm sorry I'm sorry (laughs) but here's here's the thing I actually made a t-shirt that says brains question mark I'm starving around here
1: no don't say that please
0: (laughs) it's meant to be worn at work or something <laughs> making fun of your co-workers i'm so I, polite
1: really it just destroyed my thanksgiving we watched it on thanksgiving i'm like what there goes really the turkey. Did.
0: and and you were thinking about the, the zombie turkeys coming back
1: i couldn't even handle it and i think everybody has that same fear of zombies in general is that it could happen mm-hmm. there's this little part of your brain that goes maybe it could happen you know so I mean you're pretty sure that like a killer tomato is not going to come rolling through and right. eat your town and eat you but you know exactly like you said your uncle had just passed away We've, you know a pet cemetery I mean yeah that's same like, thing except I can actually handle that, that movie but I can't I feel terrible that I'm missing out on this brilliant show with actors that I enjoy that I can't watch because I, I'll, I dry heave
0: right right yeah. it's right, scary yeah. stuff
1: i actually worked with one of the zombies or from the walking dead on mm-hmm. i did a game show a comedy game show last year we shot it in atlanta it was called separation anxiety and if you mm. haven't seen it please watch it even though they're not bringing us back very disappointing but rand weirdly i'm in mean, every single episode i like pull the first prank at the beginning of the show and it mm-hmm. sort of sets up the show but um i i also booked all the day players like that was part of my producer job and uh they wanted to, we did these live action questions where somebody would come in and act something out, and my boss wanted a zombie one. So I hired this guy Larry, who was one of the zombies from The Walking Dead, and now Larry is an older gentleman, and he already kind of looks like a zombie. I don't so
0: not much say. makeup needed, is what you're saying.
1: He's sort of fair skinned and he's older and he's thin mm-hmm. so he didn't need too much makeup but we had to hire this special makeup person to come in and do the zombie makeup because they wanted it to look good
0: right. well there's the, a certain the, standard you have to keep up
1: right well then our host was supposed to like hit him with a bat like a plastic <clears throat> yeah a plastic bat like a but you know like a little kid's wiffle bat yeah but he that when Larry kept coming at him he was scared for real that he actually hit him with the bat kind of hard, not meaning to, Wow. you know, he was like, oh my God, I, you know, and that, you know, we worked it out. It was, he wasn't injured or anything like everything was fine, but he was just a little startled, but he really freaked out the host. He was terrified when he came in. Well, yeah, he he didn't want to do another, we did a rehearsal and he's like, I don't even want to do this. Like he was totally freaking out. And so was I. Wow. (laughs) I had to walk around with him all day. I'm just like, ah
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to go I'm going to let you avoid this conversation. I'll let you sit this one out and you, you won't have to worry about zombies getting you or anything. So and, I'm
1: actually sitting here dri I'm like dripping with sweat. I'm sitting here soaked with sweat. Hot. I'm so terrified right now. I'm hot. looking behind me. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> I'm wearing a helmet to kind of protect my (laughs) brain.
0: Or what's left of it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go visit Chris Fairhurst and Jason Miles from the Talking Dead podcast. And we'll talk all things that go bump in the zombie universe of The Walking Dead. See you on the other side, Courtney.
4: My name is Chris Fairhurst. And my name is Jason Miles, and we're from The Talking Dead.
5: And you're listening to Pop.
0: And we welcome to the Pop Cafe. Look who just popped in. Gentlemen, please introduce yourself.
5: My name is Chris. I'm from The Talking Dead podcast.
4: And my name is Jason. I'm also from The Talking Dead podcast.
0: And these fellows are Canadians, and apparently they don't have last names. That's Jason Miles <laughs> and Chris Fairhurst. We Welcome. just
5: like to go first name only, but uh, you know, it's it's easier to remember that way.
0: Well, I'm just glad that uh, Jason wore pants for this interview. So it's true. It's Thank true. you. Thank you for for wearing pants today. My pleasure. For people, though, sure. so probably right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm wearing too. So. There, there we go. go. <laughs> that, that at least covers the parts that are for uh, non-public consumption. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you folks have a show called The Talking Dead. Now, let's not all get excited, everyone. This is not that guy that's on that TV show. Could you tell us a little bit about your show, The Talking Dead, and all of that name confusion?
5: Well, there is some name confusion. But, you know, as time goes on, it's getting a little bit less confusing, I think, for some people. There was a period where I got emails almost every day for people looking for the AMC show called Talking Dead. But that has really diminished in Uh the last year or two for some reason. So it seems to be going away. But it was a problem for a while we've been using the name the talking dead for seven and a half years now which is of course longer than amc has been using it and to at the beginning it was even worse because of course my name is chris and that show is also hosted by a guy named chris so it was it was problematic at the beginning but uh, people seem to be figuring it out and the greatest thing is i think some people found our show well when, when they were looking for that one and liked what we were doing and decided to stick with us so it ended up kind of being not the worst thing in the world for us
4: not the worst thing and there's also just a slight slight difference in the names that, that show is called talking dead and we're the talking dead so if mm. you can make that distinction
0: it's kind well. of like batman and the batman that's right Exactly.
5: Uh, if, if, As long as you
0: keep in mind there is a the
5: there, then it's, it's, you, you know who you've got. Everything yeah. works out.
0: Yeah, and, and Chris, it could be worse. At least your wife isn't calling you Chris Hardwick. Well, not that
5: you guys know. But oh, the yeah, not, on passion, the air. not on you the know. air.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to tell everybody that you guys have been doing the, the podcast, The Talking Dead, longer than the show's been on.
5: Yeah, that's right. We started almost a year ago. Well, actually, just over a year before season one of the show premiered, and uh, we were just so excited to get into it. We wanted to follow the development of the show from the moment that AMC bought the rights to it to you know as long as it goes. So it's it's been it's it's been since September. 9th 2009 and the show didn't start until around halloween of 2010 so
4: yeah that was even before uh, amc greenlit the show they just had they just purchased the rights to make a show they didn't even make a decision yet as to whether or not they were going to make a show and we started podcasting about it
5: yeah we just took a leap and thought well they seems like they're going to do something so why don't we start and back at the time we just thought we'll just record Not even on a regular schedule. Every time there's some news, maybe, or something to talk about, we'll do it. And we ended up going pretty regular early on, Uh, you know, not quite weekly. But news started coming out fast back then of cast and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So it was fun.
0: Yeah, I went back and listened to your first couple episodes. And it's kind of funny because you guys really didn't know where this was going to go. You know, it was almost like, well, hopefully this will actually wind up on air. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean that could have blown up in your faces quite easily. The way things go into development hell, as far sure, as entertainment we, goes I think we also
5: sort of figured what could what did, what did we have to lose? Just right. why not why not start it, have some fun, and if it doesn't go anywhere, then uh, whatever we'll we'll find something else to do. But here we are, um, seven years later, and the show's still going strong. So, yeah,
0: and it is a wildly successful show, and I'll tell you that. I'm a fan of the show myself. I, I listen to you guys every week, and as a matter of fact, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell my audience how good your show is. I don't like the show Fear the Walking Dead, but I will listen to your show about that just so I can keep up with you guys. Fine. Yeah, and, that that's
5: cool. I mean, Fear of course is the spinoff of of the Walking Dead, and uh, I, I had a fairly good experience with it in season two of that show, okay. I thought. Um, we cover it a little bit differently on, on our podcast. Uh, we don't do like a feedback show for it and stuff like that, and we don't really recap it in the same way. But I, I enjoyed season two of that show, and I think I'm looking forward to season three, I think.
4: I, I mirror Chris. You know, the first season of uh, Fear of the Walking Dead was okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, the
4: second season was uh, was better with some issues. But uh, I think it's uh, it's got a lot of potential. And uh, I'm looking forward to where it's going in the future.
5: Ken, what is it about it that, that you're not so on board with?
0: It's just not that good. It's the Casey <laughs> yeah. Affleck to the Ben Affleck. It's just not right. that good. And uh, I think there's a lot of things that are done just to grab attention and they usually fall flat or don't really go anywhere right. and it's just a drag a well-known drag you know it's it's just not that good it, it, you can shine it up as much as you want but I, d- I don't like any of the characters like you think about Seinfeld right it, it's it's a show about people that are really despicable people <laughs> every character on Seinfeld, is just looking out for themselves and they're selfish and all that and that's kind of like the same thing that I get from this whereas if you if you look at The Walking Dead you've got Rick who cares about his kid but I don't see Rick wiping out an entire village of people just to save just one you know just to save his kid I think that the mother on Fear of the Walking Dead she makes really bad choices I think that's the nicest way to put it
5: right the, the thing that let me down about the first season of that show, I think, was just that we were promised a show about the early days yeah. of the zombie apocalypse, and that's not really what we got.
0: And they that zoomed doesn't... right by that. They just...
5: Yeah, exactly. They skipped by it. They ended up in that uh, military safe zone, and then suddenly we were jumping ahead nine days, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but... When you want to see the, the minutiae of, of the outbreak of the zombie apocalypse and sort of the panic that ensues and what's happening in the world or at least the area you're in, it's, it felt wrong to just jump over that time, which is one of the reasons I didn't think the first season was great. They found their stride a little bit more in the second season, I thought, but I can see your point about uh, some of the characters not really being all that likable or just making poor decisions.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, maybe I've, I,
4: it's uh, maybe it's the moms in the Walking Dead franchise that uh, that have <laughs> issues because we had issues with Lori we and the did. decisions that she made, and uh, and now the mom here is making bad decisions as well. Maybe it's just maybe this
0: show is hard on moms. It could be. It could
5: be hard mom. on moms, or moms are idiots, <laughs> or,
0: or yeah. anyone that lives. It's, it's those shows are both hard on anyone that lives. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah let's let's back up a little bit because there may be people who are listening to this show who do not care about the walking dead what is the show about please set you know set the scene for everybody
5: sure jason what's the walking dead about
0: the walking
4: dead is about survival in adverse conditions and that uh, people are the worst even though we have the dead rising up from the grave to attack people willy-nilly and try and eat them at any chance they get the really the really the thing you need to look out for is other people the uh-huh. human beings are the, are are way worse than, uh, than zombies
5: yeah i think there's a few things you can get out of the walking dead for for those who may have never seen it before well, it's a zombie TV show. It's about the zombies. They have come They've come back from the dead, and it's what you do to survive in that universe. And I think thematically, that's one of the important things about the show. It's, you know, what are you willing to do to survive? What does it take to, to survive? And what does that do to you as, as a human being having to do some terrible, terrible things? But if you're also just looking for, you know, some zombie action or some good zombie killing... That's you, you're going to get that with the show too. Um, some seasons more than others, I would say. Some episodes more than others, but the zombies are there. So if you're looking for that, I think it's uh, I think it'll be fun, a fun experience too. If you're new to the show.
0: Do you have a favorite season of the uh, the show, The Walking Dead, or or favorite time?
5: Favorite season? Well, I have a I have a favorite moment, and. I mean it, it, it would be rather spoilery for me to give it away, but it involves a barn and it's back in season two uh two, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um I'm just gonna say for, for sake of this discussion, spoilers just go for it. All right, spoilers are okay. So yeah. spoilers for season two of
5: The Walking Dead coming up. There is a scene involving a a girl who who has been missing for some time. And our group of characters have been looking for her. She ends up being killed by a zombie and becoming a zombie herself. And someone has put her in a barn to keep her away from everyone else. There's there's a backstory to this about someone who thinks that these zombies can be uh, can be cured or made better uh-huh. um, but uh, after all this time looking for her someone goes crazy and opens the barn. and all the zombies come out and there is the girl they've been looking for this whole time and they are forced to uh, shoot her in the head because that's how you kill zombies and i think it's one of the best payoffs the show has ever done and one of the most emotional scenes because, I mean, the girl's mother is there. And mm-hmm. and I think it does a lot for the character of Rick, who's really our main character, who has to step up and take the shot. So it's got to be one of my favorite moments on the show. I think it is one of the best things they've done.
0: I think it's one of the best moments in televised history. I mean, it's such a strong moment and a payoff to the end of a season. It, 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 it is, for sure. And, and it was a season that a lot of
5: people criticized quite a bit uh, for its pace. People thought it was very slow-moving, and they thought, Uh how long can we be just looking for for a girl? But that's kind of what this show has done, and they've done it more than once, where... it's not always clear what the show is building towards and what they're doing i think seasons um the first half of season seven which we can talk about if you want had that problem but back to season two it wasn't always clear what they were doing but when we got there i felt that the payoff was absolutely worth the build-up in that case so um and 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 not only because it was just an emotional scene having to you know put down a character that we'd gotten to know for a season and a half but what it did and what it said about the characters that were left the guy you know rick who had to kill her had to step up to do that um the guy shane who opened the barn and what he was doing and you know his feelings about everything at the time really informed his character and then of course the girl's mother had to break down and watch her daughter walk out as a zombie and ultimately be shot in the head so all of those things were just important to the characters and to the show and at the time it really worked for me Jason?
4: Uh, Well, you see, I feel kind of bad now because I'm not sure what I can add. I just simply agree. Uh, That was, that's probably the, my favorite moment in the show and that mid part of, uh, of season two. So that was the mid season uh, finale where uh, Sophia came out of the barn and I absolutely agree. I mean, the first, the first half of that season, uh, we did pay into the episodes a lot to, uh, to set up this, this moment. But the payoff was huge, and it was uh, it was a very good moment. And I just I simply agree with what you guys have been talking about. And you covered pretty much everything I wanted to uh, uh, wanted to add to the conversation. So thank you.
0: Poor Otis.
5: And oh. Poor Otis. I love Otis. <laughs> yeah, he, same here. He got like half a season, and then and then was I, I was almost had sacrificed himself, but he did not. He was sacrificed so someone else could live. Yeah, good old Shane. Here's the
0: weird thing. I think he would have sacrificed himself had Shane not taken the the low road.
5: He he might have. I I don't know. I mean, he was seemed like uh, a good guy. He was a pretty good
0: guy. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask a similar question. Who's your favorite character on the show? This time we'll go with Jason since Chris hogged uh, the last bit. (laughs) Sorry, I've been known to do that.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, the characters uh, have changed over the years. My uh-huh. favorite characters have changed from uh, season to season. But I think overall, if I had to pick one character that has been my favorite, and uh, I think it has to be Carol. Uh, oh. Just the, the growth of that char- character from... Uh, you know, Sophia was her daughter so she's the mom that had to, to deal with this situation and her spiral downwards afterwards was uh, quite the sight to behold uh-huh. uh, so yeah I, Carol's my favorite character even though uh, overall f- throughout the seasons I kind of peg her as just ever so slightly evil but because uh, she's hard on little girls too even though her, her little girl died in that, uh, uh, in that barn scene
0: well, she's, no, she's, no, been, uh, she's been
4: hard on kids in general.
0: Yeah, I was going to say hard on kids because Sam and the cookies, you know, uh, yeah. just <laughs> we'll yeah. just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, she she's been through a lot of changes. Her character, she
4: has, and she's uh, she's done a lot of uh, a lot of growing over the years and be, becoming harder and doing the uh, the hard thing for survival and she's gone through a lot of trials and tribulations and i think she deserves a little bit of rest i think just uh, where she is right now she deserves a little bit of rest and i think that everybody should just leave her alone for a little while mm-hmm. or she's going to end up uh you know offing more kids
0: which we don't want to, <laughs> don't want her to do well it no. just depends on whose kids and how old they are <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> Just aim her at Negan and get the hell out of the way. Uh, yeah. Chris, do you have a favorite The Walking Dead character?
5: You know, it's, it is really difficult to choose a favorite because, like Jason said, it does sort of change over time. And, and I don't know if I do. I'm, I'm actually looking at the list of characters right here, right now. And, and I can think of things about all of them that I really, that I really like and, you know, occasionally things that I, that I dislike. But, you know, maybe this is an unpopular choice. But right now, let's go with Eugene. Because I, think, uh, I I think that he, he's played really well by uh, Josh McDermott, and I think he's funny. And I don't think they've overused Eugene in a long time. He's always kind of been there, but he hasn't been he hasn't been a huge part of, of an episode for a long time or really ever. And uh, And, and I, I always enjoy sort of seeing Eugene on screen. And just the way he's played and the funny voice and the hair, I I think it's I think it's a bizarre character for a show like The Walking Dead, because in a lot of ways, he's comic relief. But he's not always he's he's also, you know, always he's he's scared and emotional and things like that.
0: So trust me, I'm smarter than you. Why the hair? That's classified.
2: You had zero authority. To, to what? Stop you from dying? I had full control of the situation. You'd had better luck picking up a turd by its clean end. I'm gonna allow you to apologize for saying that.
3: I was not trying to kill you. I was looking for a moment. You found it. Do you apologize for questioning my skills? I apologize for questioning your skills. You know how to bite a dick, Eugene.
2: I mean that with the utmost of respect. Welcome to stage two. Don't need to welcome me. I've been here a while.
4: Uh
5: Uh, Maybe Eugene will get his own feature episode at some point, and then he'll probably be killed off, so.
0: (laughs) Probably. I don't know.
5: Uh, Yeah, it seems like
0: the show does that develop the, the character and then say goodbye
5: it kind of is a thing they've done yeah and uh you know carol might be the one exception because she's developed a lot as the show's gone on and Uh she's had her huge moments and she's still with us so uh you know maybe they're trying to break that trend a little bit but just looking at the list here i mean there's been times where i've thought daryl is amazing and times where i've thought daryl is terrible maggie is a great character glenn is was a great character, Michonne. You know, it's it's hard to pick a favorite from from
0: this group. Well, Chris, we just lost uh, two million listeners since you just badmouthed Daryl. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Could you oh, say something that. good about him, and we'll get him back?
5: <laughs> Daryl Dixon, Norman Reedus, really great guy, and I want to see him on screen all the time, every
0: episode. Just the coolest guy in the world, right? The, the, coolest, the coolest guy coolest. Universe. And see, here's here's part of the problem with Daryl. But first, first I'm going to give you my answer. Rick Grimes is my uh, favorite character on the show. Mm-hmm. He is in the same way that Captain Kirk, at the time that that show was on air, he was he was the uh, typical male at home. You know, he, basically he's the character that you would identify with since you're not a Vulcan. He he was he was the main character that when he reacted to something we were reacting to something so as the show has put rick grimes through various paces we've had to kind of go and grow with rick right do you think there's any concern
5: that um we might see the same th- sort of things repeated though with with rick grimes we've seen him as in the ricktatorship as a real uh-huh. strong leader We've seen him as Farmer Rick not really wanting to do anything. We've seen him broken down to, to nothing. We've seen him very strong. And, and these are all you know, different, uh, different states for the character. But are, do you ever worry that they might be forced to repeat some of these beats with his character uh, in a way because they're kind of running out of things to do with them after seven years and we're moving into season eight and, and beyond?
0: Yes, I do. And I think that that's part of the problem that they're running into. They've kind of repeated some beats with their villains as well, correct? So yeah, in that same sense, they're trying to get Rick to a certain place, and then it's like they have to do it over again. And it seems kind of weird because Rick is not a moron. <laughs> 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 but occasionally the show writes him. As a moron, like, why do you have to learn the same lesson again? On the other hand, let's take a look at real life. You know, uh, how old are you guys?
5: I just turned 42. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm
4: slightly older than
0: Chris. <laughs> and I'm the oldest bastard in the room at 53. But there are times that I'm like, gosh, I thought I learned this lesson when I was 20. So. <laughs> well, that's that's one of the tenets of life is that
4: yeah. a lesson will be repeated until you learn it. uh
3: uh-huh. hmm.
0: And that's a
5: fair point, yeah. I mean, uh, there are things all the time that you think you know and you don't. Or uh, just things that uh, you, you, you change your mind on as, uh-huh. as time goes on, right? And so it's not inconceivable that that's, that's happening to Rick as a character, too.
0: Right. But there's also this small little thing that uh, I don't think that a lot of the audience takes into account. We've mentioned Carol and the changes she's been through. And we've mentioned the changes that Rick has been through. Like, for example, Carol, people seem to not understand what she's going through right now and that she just needs to be left alone. Because when they were a ragtag group out in the wild, it's one thing to become a murderer and to change your moral compass to fit the situation. But as you get closer back to society, you have to start asking yourself questions and deal with the rationalization of what you've done and what you had to do to stay alive. So it's one thing to say, oh, it's just horrible that Carol did this, or Rick did that, or whoever. But then when you get back to a place like Alexandria, where it seems like everything was all nice and normal again, then it was time for Carol to make that list of how many people she had killed over time. And a lot of people didn't, I feel in the audience, didn't take that into account the actual morality play that Carol was going through. Yeah, I guess
5: that's when, it, when when you get back to a little bit of civilized society, that's when it forces you to really face what you've done to get there. Um, yeah. Whereas before, when you're out in the wild and things are just still crazy, you're, you're still doing the things that you need to do rather than uh, thinking about them and getting any perspective. So Carol mm-hmm. just needs some time off.
0: Agreed. Absolutely. I noticed that none of the three of us mentioned Daryl Dixon. As their favorite character. (sighs) Yeah, well, Daryl Dixon,
5: I mean, I think he's a good character. um, But has he been a little one note? I guess he's changed a bit over over seven seasons. Mm -hmm. No, I do find him a little bit maybe less developed than than some of the others. Mm -hmm.
0: He is, for all intents and purposes, the Fonzie of the show. He's the guy that most of the merchandise seems to be built around. He's the cash cow of the show, correct? Would, I mean, would you guys agree with that?
5: I, I don't know if I'd say he's all the merchandise, because there is There is a plethora or yes, a plethora yes. of merchandise for mm-hmm. this show. But you're right. He's the one character who is not in the source material, which is a comic that people have latched on to like crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I guess we need to let people know that The Walking Dead, the comic book, and The Walking Dead, the TV show, are two different things. The same source material, but they have veered off into their own realities.
5: Yeah, for sure. Um, they come and go. Uh, I mean, the, the show sort of swings back closer to the comic every once mm-hmm. in a while, and then it swings farther away, but uh, they are their own thing. They aren't canon with each other, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, do you think that Daryl is... well? I wouldn't say this season, but would you say that that we've kind of went as far as we can with Daryl, or do you think that there's much more to come as far as character development?
4: Uh, Jason, what do you think? Yeah, that's a a really good question. Uh, I don't think we've come as far as we can. I think Mm -hmm. we've come a long way, and I think he's been, like Chris said a little earlier, he's been a little one-note lately. I think that uh, he needs to have some additional character development, whether that's you know, a more a, a richer backstory, or whether he needs to, uh, I don't know, fall in love, maybe? <laughs> uh, something like that, you know, give a little bit of a Daryl love story in there, or maybe a love triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think we
0: can go places with Daryl, I just think we haven't in a while. I also think that on a subtext level, we've went really far with Daryl, though. I think that there's indications that Daryl was an abuse victim, and that he is struggling with his own identity in the world. And I actually think that he identifies more with the current world that he's in. I feel that he feels he has more worth in the current world of The Walking Dead that he's in, that if society were righted all of a sudden... And the zombies became a problem, and law and order was reestablished. I would feel that he would feel that he would be put out like yesterday's scraps. Any thoughts on that, Jason?
4: Well, I think that you're right in that uh, his his backstory does include some abuse, and we've seen that from uh, from Merle, his brother, mm-hmm. uh, directly, and how he feels about. Uh, the current world i mean he does fit in here better than he may have fit in the uh, in the real world or in the in the previous world before the apocalypse uh, i'm not sure that he necessarily feels like he would be set aside but he uh it's hard to it's hard to say they haven't directly shown us that i don't think unless you can mm-hmm. think of something specific um,
0: well like yeah, for example I, alexandria when yeah. they when they came to the society known as alexandria He was like a porch dog. He's like, I won't even come in. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He's out shooting raccoons by the trash can and skinning them on the front porch, making a big old bloody mess. And everybody else is like, "Come in and take a shower."
4: No, I I remember that. I just I'm not sure I necessarily agree with the uh, with uh, the interpretation. Mm -hmm. The, The interpretation I took away from that was not that he felt like he was he didn't belong there, but that he didn't trust it and that he uh, he needed to, uh, you know, distance himself in the event that this thing is going to fall because his, uh, you know, his memory of everything that has gone good since the zombie apocalypse has turned bad real fast. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I can, I can see that, but I'm not sure that uh, I took away from that the, uh, the same thing you did.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Chris, any thoughts on that?
5: Well, the one thing I'll say about Daryl Dixon is that I think he was a more interesting character when Merle was still around. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the contrast of of, his, of him and his brother, who in some ways are very similar but also very different, I think is what kind of informed Daryl Dixon uh, more. And I feel like the show hasn't done very much with the characters since Merle, since Merle's death. But just having Merle around back at then it forced Daryl to struggle with his family, or at least his brother, um, and, and the kind of guy he was, and and what Daryl was feeling, and the kind of person he was in this new, in this new zombie apocalypse world. So, I think Merle was a good character complement to Daryl, and it's what made Daryl interesting back then. And we haven't had Merle for a little while, so they need to find another way to. To bring Daryl to the forefront again and just do something new new with him, which I have a feeling they might be going towards in the second half of Season 7 that's starting in a couple of weeks, so we'll see.
0: To me, it's almost like they're in a bad situation with Daryl, because if they flush him out too much, he'll stop being as cool. It's kind of like the Wolverine slash Fonzie kind of thing where you don't want to see Daryl Dixon dancing with Mrs. C, you know, at the for the contest or riding on a pair of skis, you know what I'm you know the jump the shark <laughs> jumping the shark yeah yeah so we don't want that with Daryl Dixon. On the other hand, there's a lot of people out there the what is it the Dixon vixens and all that. <laughs> uh, everybody that that's wanting more Daryl. You have to cross that line. Are we going to give somebody a story about Daryl that they're not going to to be able to wrap their head around, so they almost have to like be very careful in what they do with him.
5: yeah, they do for sure I mean i I would love it if the show had the balls to to kill him off. Um, you know the they've the showrunners have said not really recently, I don't think, but early on they used to say that nobody's safe on this show and mm-hmm. that anyone can die at any time and I do hope that applies to a character like Daryl not because I want him to die, but I just want him to have the possibility to die. You know, if you're worried about the character, that's one of the things that makes him interesting. So, uh, I hope that he's not considered so loved or so important to the fan base that, you know, they can't do anything like that with him, but we'll have to see. Mm -hmm.
4: Very good. It's Uh, easy to do when, uh, you know, when they, when they killed off Shane in, mm -hmm. at the end of season two, uh, you know, that was killing off a main character like that is uh, was a big deal. And I think it's easier to do at the beginning of the show than it is now because there's so much invested in this show mm-hmm. uh, by AMC and, you know, by the production company. And the, there's just there's so much invested here that, you know, rocking the boat or shaking things up like that, it's, uh, it's really, it, I think it scares the pants off of everybody involved in the show doing something like that. And I'm worried that uh, you know somebody. You know, uh, I don't want to spoil the most recent season, but uh, you know, killing off someone like Daryl uh, would be would shake the very foundation of this show, and that's got to be a very scary thing for the uh, for, for AMC.
0: Yeah, agreed. Well, you mentioned about spoilers for season seven, and I don't want to go too much into that. Recently, Galen Ann Hurd was being interviewed, and she was on a panel. And she was asked about the level of violence in season seven. And she said, We were able to look at the feedback on the level of violence. We did tone it down for episodes we were still filming for later on in the season. This is not a show that is torture porn. She said after the response to the finale, they gave strong consideration to make sure that, quote, we don't cross that line. I know that for myself, I quit reading the comic book, The Walking Dead, after Negan swung Lucille. And I'll just leave it at that. And from what I understand, Jason, you also dropped the book around that same time.
4: Actually, I dropped the I dropped the comic at exactly the same time. Issue one hundred was uh, was when that happened, and uh, that's the last issue I read.
0: What was it that made you stop reading that comic at that point? Because I'm I was in the same exact situation. I'm curious to pick your thoughts.
4: You know what? the The short answer is I don't know. Uh, I know I. Uh, with the comic book, it has been uh, ever since the beginning of uh, of, of the comic. It, everything's come in fits and starts. Uh-huh. I would read a whole bunch and then I would wait, uh-huh. and then wait for the issues to pile up or you know a book to be published, and then I would read a whole bunch and then I would wait, and uh, it was like that for the entire run of the comic book. I didn't start at near anywhere near the beginning. It's a couple of years into the comic before I even picked up an issue. But when it got to issue 100, it was such a big deal, and I bought, uh, there was like nine different covers of that particular uh-huh. issue, and I got a package of all of them, or most of them. I think there's some really rare ones. Uh-huh. But uh, at that point, I, you know, I had binge read up until that point, and then I started to wait again. And then it got to the point where uh, I think Chris may have mentioned that he liked the fact that I haven't been reading the comic because uh-huh. uh, it, it gave a fresh... Uh, set of eyes to the uh, to the podcast for reviewing and recapping the show and at that point I just never picked it up again because you know I I agree with Chris that uh, you know having a fresh set of eyes and I like to do that in the podcast in general is uh, I tend to not read anything about the uh, uh, about a particular episode until after we've recorded the podcast or even after we've recorded the feedback show so that I don't have any kind of taint from any kind of popular media on the show, I try and go at it as fresh as possible. So I think uh, it got to the point where uh, I liked the fact, and Chris liked the fact that uh, I hadn't been keeping up with the with the comic, and so I just stopped keeping up with the comic. Now that being said, I buy all of the books when they're when they're bound and they're and the books and even the trade paperbacks. I still buy them, and they're stacking up in my uh, in my library. So that someday when I'm ready. I can go and uh, get caught up, and you know, spend what six, seven weeks reading, <laughs> so I can mm-hmm. get caught up. But I, I don't think it was any, to, you know, to definitively answer your question. Uh, I don't think there was any specific reason within the comic that led me to stop reading. I think it was just external life that uh, that prevented me from reading it for a period of time. Mm.
0: Well, with myself. Uh, I don't want to go into a big thing about my zombie history, but I'm not a huge zombie fan per se, but I can tell you that the Night of the Living Dead affected my life in a huge way, and along with Shaun of the Dead and and later the the comic book, The Walking Dead. And the appeal of The Walking Dead was, Robert Kirkman's talked many times about how we get to follow the story you know, usually there's a a zombie movie and it comes to an end and that's it. That's the last time you see or hear from these characters. This was going to be an ongoing trip through that world. At the point that we're talking about at issue 100, it stopped being about the zombies and became about something more. And that really bothered me. And the other thing is that... I had grown to like the characters on TV so much, and the differences between the comic book versions of them and the versions on TV, it was kind of like, well, I'd just rather be invested in this, you know, the the television show aspect of it. It's a lot easier to just watch a show than than read a book, right? You know, it's a passive-aggressive kind of thing, so. Any thoughts along that line, gentlemen?
5: well i I still read it i'm I'm a few issues behind at this point, but I'm more or less up to date and i i around issue one hundred I was feeling the same thing I was on a bit of a down turn with the comic i didn't I didn't love it as much as I had in the past and then in fact, there was some stuff that happened after issue one hundred we're up to one sixty something now already mm-hmm. so there was a period of time there where I wasn't as into it. I think lately it's it's been great again actually it's i i've been enjoying it recently like i have like i was back on in the early days when i first started reading it um but in a way i continued reading it after number 100 because i'm a little bit of a completionist in a way i have a hard time starting something when it comes to pop culture like a tv show or a book or anything and not actually finishing it so I got to 100, and even though I wasn't feeling amazing about the comic, I thought, but it's still going, and I need to know where this where this story goes. And so I continued reading it, and uh, I continue to this day. And it's it's a double-edged sword in terms of of doing the podcast, because on one hand, I enjoy being familiar with the source material and how it can kind of give you an idea of where the show is going. But on the other hand, I don't always love having that idea of where the show is going. Um, I wish, in a way, I was a little bit more, a little bit more blind to what might be coming up. So, uh-huh. I'm I'm kind of conflicted on on reading a comic in a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah, I know that when we got to a certain point this last season, my stepson looked at me and said, "Well, now what? You know, what happens to this character?" And I said, "I'm with you now. I don't know anything more than you." So it was kind of nice, <laughs> because yeah. all along the way, I've been kind of like the. Uh, the walking dead guy right people say well does this happen in the comic and <laughs> no no it's completely different carol died a long time ago but over here she's still alive and you know just to point out the differences or was daryl as cool in the comic book there was no daryl in the comic book so it's uh are, it's do, do you me. guys ever think that uh robert kirkman regretted not making daryl a comic book character
5: i don't know i, I there had been some talk a number of years ago about Daryl Dixon, yeah, showing up in the comic and Mm -hmm. I think, did he he may have even commented on that, but it it never happened. Uh, I don't think he, well who knows? I I wouldn't say he regrets it. The comic is still extremely popular and and has its own characters that aren't in the TV show so uh, uh, I don't know.
0: Plus he'd also have to pay creator rights to use Daryl at that point.
5: I would think so yeah, Daryl would be owned by someone else other than than kirkman maybe so everybody
0: that had a hand in his development would get a cut so yeah there you go do you think the show was too violent at the start of this season
5: well i think that's something that's something we should talk about because when i heard that news about um what's her name uh who came out and said that that they they toned it down a little bit for the second half of Season 7 after the reaction to uh, the premiere. That really upset me, actually, to hear that news because one of the things I've worried about, with such strong fan reactions to this show, you know, highest-rated show on TV, there is more people watching this than pretty much anything else. Uh So there is a lot of outcry from people when things happen or when things don't happen or when something happens Uh that they don't like. And I've always thought that it would be a terrible idea for the show to tailor itself around that kind of outcry. And, you know, I'm not saying they shouldn't listen to what fans are saying and and hear them, but at the same time, the people who are making this show, the writers, the producers, they've got to make the show they want to make and they've got to tell the story they want to tell without too much outside influence, because I feel like that's just going to um, muddy the waters a little bit of this show so I was really concerned when Ann Hurd came and said that they've, they've toned it down um, for the second half after that outcry but I don't know if you guys saw the news that came out a week later some, one of the other producers said no 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 that's not true we haven't changed a damn thing so uh-huh. I feel like somebody is either uninformed or not telling the entire truth with this news
4: I believe in Gail Ann Hurd. I think she's telling the truth and the other producers trying to uh, pull things back a little bit so that uh, people like you, who are annoyed by this uh, statement that she made, uh, aren't as annoyed anymore.
0: Well, it does seem that they do care a little too much about fan reaction in that, for example, if you... It, I. I don't get the idea that over at the Game of Thrones writing room, they're sitting around going, oh boy, we've got to please everyone. Because they've, they've got a strong course, they're set on it, and they go. And I get the idea that with The Walking Dead, it seems like uh, they're waiting to hear from the crowd, thumbs up, thumbs down. and whenever they, 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 they seem very reactionary to their fans in that sense. And to me, if you're creating art, that's not necessarily a good thing
5: that's my feeling that if you're if you're creating something if you're telling a story you're telling the story you want to tell and i know it's a team effort there are lots of writers there's Uh robert kirkman there's source material and so on but if there's this may sound strange but if there's one group that you don't want to listen to it's it's your audience right (laughs) I, i feel like the audience is the one they get what they get out of it and um and and some people are gonna love it and some people aren't but you as a artist or a creator have to tell the story you want to tell so it concerned me that they were that they thought that you know the reaction to the extreme violence in the season seven premiere was something that they that people hated so they need to to change you know if if um if they do that i'd rather just not know about it i think is what i'm saying you know like don't tell us do again create the story and tell the story you're going to tell But don't try to tell us that we're going to change what we're doing because some people hated that violence. There are other people who loved it. So, you know, you can't please everybody. And you're right. I don't think Game of Thrones people are sitting around going, well, you know, we got to do this differently because of this episode had low ratings and people didn't like it. They're not doing that.
4: Right. I have a much more cynical view. I think that this, uh, you know, Tracking what the audience thinks and doing uh, reviews uh, with potential audiences and making changes based on that is just par for the course. Everybody does it. It's how TV shows get picked up. After uh, you know they make a pilot and then they screen it for people, and if, based on their feelings, they'll make changes and or just can it. Uh, I think that uh, this kind of uh, making changes based on audience feedback is just par for the course. I think what happened that is different in this case is that we had an executive producer open her big mouth and tell that to a reporter
5: but we're seven years in man i mean if 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 that happens with a pilot or maybe even the first season of a show where they look at the reaction and if they decide they're not canceling it they they think well okay this is how the season went we can course correct a little bit for season two and, and, and The Walking Dead's even done that, right? Remember early on, they they got rid of a bunch of writers and brought in a new team. Um, they've had three different showrunners in seven years. So they've tried to course correct as well. Those things, to me, don't feel as blatant as someone coming out and saying, you didn't like the violence? Fine, no more violence. You know, And I didn't like that at all. So you may be right, but I also think after seven seasons, they've got to just... They they have to have found their groove and they've got to be doing what what they want to do.
4: But they haven't. I mean, the show has been up and down for for years. There's been really you know strong aspects and uh, weak aspects of this show for a long time, and they've been all over the uh, all over the map. I don't think that they've found their groove yet. I think that there are things that are absolute pure genius, but then there's episodes that just uh, uh, are you know, cringeworthy that you just can't watch anymore. And you worry about the show watching or jumping the shark. But, you know, now that it's uh, it was the one I'm thinking of is the governor way back when. And the show hasn't jumped the shark at that point. But when that happened, I was severely worried that the show had jumped the shark.
5: Mm. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, it takes time. How long is this show going to go before they find their groove, if ever? (laughs) Right.
0: If you haven't found a direction in seven years, you might be lost.
5: You, you, you might be. You might not know where you're going. Yeah. But that being said, I mean, we all can agree that for the most part, we really enjoy this show. And I know I do. Yeah, I and, do as well. Uh, and I certainly enjoy talking about it and covering it on the podcast. So.
0: On the it, other uh, hand, I'm not really sure that everybody wants an episode entitled, uh, Tara, Search for More Bamboo. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that brings up uh, another question do you think that the show has lost some focus this year? Because I'll just go with a Star Trek analogy. For example, if we were doing season four of Star Trek and something really violent happens and the Klingons come in and they, they scatter the, the crew of the Enterprise and in episode one you get to see what happens to Scotty. And then in episode two we find out that someone that works down in engineering has run away with Ahura, and they're on an adventure. And we hear about that for two episodes. And by the time we get back to Captain Kirk, it's eight episodes later. You've had no Spock, you've had no Kirk. And that's pretty much summing up what happened this last year on The Walking Dead in the first half of Season 7. Do you feel that the show got lost in that?
5: I think the show has always been... A little bit like that, where they they focus on uh, uh, a smaller group of characters outside of the main mm-hmm. uh, ensemble. But it did feel like they were doing that a little bit more in in season seven. But I also think it was intentional, and they really wanted the audience to suffer along with with Rick in the first half of season seven and i don't mean suffer because it was bad although i must admit there were episodes that we didn't really love that much Uh um in the first half but they just wanted us to feel the the desperation and the sort of rock bottomness of of that rick was feeling Uh so that when they get the band back together in in the second half it's going to feel that much better and uh so i don't know if i'd call it losing focus but I think they were trying to, you know, torture us a little bit on, on purpose in the first half of season seven.
4: I th- I'm hoping and I'm wishing that this is very similar to the first half of season two, where they've asked us to pay into the first half of the season mm-hmm. uh, a lot. And this they've asked more of us in this season than they have in season two. But I have hope and I'm I'm wishing that the payoff will be worth it like it was in season two.
0: Very good. We were talking about how Rick is basically us in this world and how we relate to the world. And what we basically we, we are asked the same questions that Rick has to ask himself at some point. Using that same kind of thing as a springboard, a lot of people did not like Daryl Dixon being a tortured puppy. And a lot of people didn't like seeing Daryl Dixon being weak. And how did you feel about people's reaction to that
5: I, I didn't mind seeing Daryl Dixon being weak I you know we, we were talking about his character and what they have to do with it and maybe that's something they can do to uh, take him down a peg what I liked about it is that he seems to be the first character that we know of that Negan and his crew haven't really been able to to break right you know he was forced to kneel and things like that but he never really became one of Negan's cronies outside of what they absolutely forced him to do so I think that's kind of an interesting thing about Daryl and uh even though he was weak and he was torn down he was never truly broken so um I I kind of enjoyed seeing that I think I think that those elements of Daryl's character and the story they're telling with him right now are steps in the right direction for that character I agree any thoughts Jason?
4: I simply agree, again, that uh, I didn't mind that uh, Daryl was you know, a tortured puppy. And mm-hmm. I think that this just uh, leads into uh, the shit-kicking he's going to, to, going to give to Negan as a group uh, in the next half of the season.
0: Well, there is one part of them coming together at the end of the first part of the, the, the last episode of Season 7, where the characters reunite. And I felt that when I saw Daryl hugging Rick, I thought that was a pretty amazing moment. Yeah. Because in the real world, these guys would be adversaries. Uh, Rick would probably be perceived as the guy who's just harassing him whenever him and Merle are in town or something like that. And uh, In a lot of ways, I think that Rick is the only man who's ever seen uh, be a good father. You know what I'm saying? I think that he's the only role model that that Daryl's had that's been a positive role model on him. And I I think that when that hug happened, you kind of saw that. And when he was looking out for Carl, when he was in the evil lair, we'll just say that, that kind of saw that uh, he kind of wished that he would have had that kind of person care for him as he was growing up
5: yeah i i think on the other hand um daryl has always been sort of second to his brother right he's Mm -hmm. always been told what to do by his brother so in a way that's where he's comfortable just kind of being told what to do being um being second in command so to speak so i think the relationship with rick to me makes a certain amount of sense in that rick is the number one guy daryl is his uh you know, right-hand man, maybe, or or whatever. Um, I don't know that they'd necessarily be at odds all the time um, unless Daryl wants to step up and make a change in his life because I feel like sort of being the, what's the word, not second-in-command, but just being dominated by somebody else is something that's he's experienced his entire life. So maybe yeah. that'll make him push for a change, but I think it also explains the way he he uh relates to rick a little bit
2: mm-hmm.
0: jason any thoughts
4: i agree but uh yeah i think that uh, i'm not sure that they would be at odds other than the you know merle strikes me as someone who didn't strictly obey the law and if daryl was uh, second to merle and they were just going through town as uh, as you know petty thieves let's say then uh, you know rick being a sheriff they might be at odds uh, on different differing sides of the law but yeah. personality-wise, I'm not sure that they would be necessarily differing.
0: Oh, agreed. I'm, I was when I when I was talking about that. It, it was in the sense that Merle would be uh, in the captain's seat as far as Daryl's life, and whether Daryl wanted to be involved or not, Merle's kind of like a force of nature. You're just coming along with him, you know. Right. So if it's gonna if it's time to rip the copper out of someone's house or go on a beer run, he would probably take Daryl with him. You know what I'm saying? So. Probably. I could just see Sheriff Rick <laughs> eyeing their vehicle as it goes in and out of town. You know? Yeah, <laughs> of <So, laughs> oh, sure. I, I just sure. can't imagine uh, Daryl and Rick having tea and crumpets, and Merle being there, let's put it that way. You know? <laughs> no. There's so much I could talk to you about the show, and we'll have to do a sequel to this at some point and talk about why zombies, but I want to talk about something uh, kind of a little bit more personal, why podcasting? What is it about podcasting that brought you to this table?
5: Well, I have a love for broadcasting. My dad was a radio broadcaster, so uh-huh. it's sort of in my family a little bit, and I don't work in broadcasting um, in terms of the day job anyways, but uh, I always thought that podcasting, when it started you know, to come to life a long time ago would be something that would be fun to do, and uh, Jason and I have podcasted together for a long time before we started the Talking Dead as well. I mean, nobody listened to us back then, but we sat in front of microphones <laughs> and we we recorded ourselves and put it out on the internet, and we called it a podcast, so um, I just think it's it's great fun and it's turned into so much more than a hobby for me anyways, that uh, I can almost not, uh, I can't imagine not doing it now. So, um, you know, that's, we we just, we were, we just wanted to hang out and talk about TV and pop culture and stuff like that. And uh, podcasting seemed like an awesome way to do
4: it. Yeah. I mean, the, when podcasting first, when I first became aware of podcasting, I found it amazing that people could just, uh, you know, talk, into microphones and release it on the internet and other people may or may not listen and the barrier to entry was so low that uh, I thought it would be an interesting interesting thing to do and a couple of things one I've always been a performer my whole life I've uh, performed in some way or another and uh, I've never had a fear of speaking in front of large groups of people and this kind of leads that uh, leads to that same kind of thing it's uh, it's kind of like a performance Uh, and I do enjoy talking about this and I do enjoy talking about topics that I'm interested in and this is one of them and the second thing is this is the You know, Chris and I, when we podcast, it's the same conversation we would have whether we had microphones in front of us or not. Uh Uh, You know, Chris and I, we've known each other for a long time, and when we first met, we ended up in this small office out of the way of the rest of the people in the the office because we worked together, and we would have conversations like this. I remember we had an argument for days as to whether or not you could teach a monkey to ride a unicycle, (laughs) just about breaking that down into whether or not you could get the monkey to want to ride that unicycle whether through torture or whipping it or through incentives like uh, you know whether it be the carrot or the stick so these are the kind of conversations we would have anyway and so you know based on, on those three things low barrier to entry like being a part of a performance and uh, having great conversations with my good buddy Chris it, just, it all kind of just coalesced into this thing and we started podcasting and then, like Chris said we podcasted before we did The Talking Dead which went absolutely nowhere, but still, we didn't do it because of the audience. We did it because it was fun, and uh, it kind of coalesced into The Talking Dead, where uh, we had fun, good conversations, and we found an audience.
5: I was, wish there was a microphone sitting in that little office we worked in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all that time, just recording whatever happened in there, because that would be gold. Now, I think at least, at least for you and me, I'm, you know, I would listen yeah. to it. I'm sure. I don't know if anyone else would love it, but you know trying to figure out if you could teach a monkey to ride a unicycle uh, you know that's
0: that's that's one of the questions of life i think <laughs>
2: absolutely
0: very good well i'm i'm glad to be part of the conversation we're no we're not talking about monkeys uh, <laughs> you're talking
5: to monkeys there's a difference yeah that's yeah. right
0: <laughs> monkeys talking on the internet yeah how far do you see podcasting going
5: how far do
0: i see podcasting
5: going what do you mean like will it be will it overtake terrestrial radio someday I think it's very different and uh and I don't think so but I think podcasting is already people are already making a living on it you know mm-hmm. there are podcast networks that are huge out there and a, a guy like Leo Laporte and this week in tech i almost hesitate to call that a podcast anymore because he's he's just so prominent in in the industry but mm-hmm. there are definitely other people that are doing podcasts that are making a living for it so it has become a real thing it has become a job and you know, hopefully um, it'll just continue to, to go that way, I think.
4: I think that it's, uh, it's going to grow, and I think the barrier to entry that I had uh, mentioned earlier is going to continue to grow. I don't think, like, the technology involved in recording a podcast has uh, become ubiquitous. I mean, you pick up an iPhone, press record, and you got yourself an audio file that you can stick on the Internet. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, you know, as far as the technology is concerned, the barrier to entry is a lot lower than traditional terrestrial radio, but I think that finding an audience is going to get harder and harder and harder because uh, you know the podcasting companies—not uh, companies, but uh, like Leola Port or uh, Frog Pants or other you know podcasting organizations—when they put out podcasts, they're so popular that they're going to—it's going to overshadow uh, other podcasts that are just trying to start start out. Mm-hmm. So finding that audience is going to be more and more difficult very much like traditional terrestrial radio you know way back in the day when it first started if you had enough money for a can and a tower you could broadcast yourself out to your to your neighborhood Mm -hmm. but nowadays you can't do that because it's regulated and structured and there's you know multimedia corporations that have come down on you like a ton of bricks for even thinking of broadcasting over the air so Broadcasting on the internet like we do, I think we're in a golden age for people being able to just get on the internet and uh, create a podcast. I think someday that golden age is going to come to a close, and it's going to be regulated, and you're going to need a license, and you're going to need to uh, have something that the corporations will try and uh, use to push you down, so that independent podcasters will have a tougher time. And that's just the cynical me.
0: Well, see, that's the the question that I've asked so many people, and nobody's really thought about the idea of it being regulated to the point. I mean, there there are times that I, you know, I don't actually pinch myself, but you know the old saying, occasionally I'll pinch myself, and uh, I I can't believe I'm able to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I love doing this. (laughs) I've always wanted to be a broadcaster. And a broad chaser, and one of those has worked out well. The other one, I'm doing with uh, with you guys. So, but uh, as far as, boy, that joke <laughs> fell flat. No, uh, I got it. I'm, I'm right <laughs> there. It's amazing. <laughs> there too. But uh, <laughs> um, I just I just can't believe that I'm able to do this, and it's led to some amazing opportunities. And I know that you guys have been part of the Walker Stalker thing, and could you tell us some of the opportunities that podcasting has afforded you?
5: It's, it has been fantastic. We have become close, and I've made a ton of great friends, actually, just through the podcast. Uh-huh. You know, everyone involved in in the Walker Stalker community, I consider I consider friends. Tons of our listeners, maybe not tons, but I I have gotten to know some of them um, on a slightly more personal level it's funny with the podcast we try one of the things we try to do is stay a certain distance like a sort of an arm's length distance from the walking dead because we don't want to be too close to it we haven't done a lot of interviews with the cast and things like that Mm -hmm. because we do want to stay independent from it as someone who talks about it and criticizes it sometimes and also also talks about when it's when it's amazing that being said doing this podcast has you know offered us the opportunity to meet most of the cast at one point or another and hang out with other people in the sort of community so it's been really really fantastic and and not only that you know I get uh I get contacted by folks all the time just with looking for advice, which I don't mind giving, or looking for ways to partner up with us or do something like that. So it's really been fun to do. And it's mostly just open doors on new experiences and friendships and things like that, for me anyways. Jason?
4: Yeah. I mean, Chris has had the opportunity to do a little bit more of the traveling than I have, just because of the, the nature of my work and, and my family which is growing i mean some of the opportunities we've had is walker stalker con the one that i went to was absolutely fantastic and a whole lot of fun meeting people and interacting with the community chris has had more opportunities to go to more walker stalker cons than i have and will in the near future and it i think one of the my favorite things of uh being part of the podcast is uh having feedback from the listeners it uh, you know we talk we're just two guys that talk on the internet right Uh we just give our opinions of the show and talk about, you know, review the show, break down the show. Uh, and then we get feedback from our listeners, which gives us a whole other level of insight into uh, into the show in general, like opinions that Chris and I would never have or thoughts that we would never have come up in the listener feedback. And it just it makes it so much more fun. Uh, the show is, uh, you know, I enjoy it. I like it, but I like it a hell of a lot more because of the podcast. Than I ever would just watching it.
2: Uh-huh. There's
4: shows out there that uh, that I watch and that I enjoy, but uh, this show is more fun because of the listener feedback, because of being able to interact uh, with people, and the opportunity to do that is just by far uh, the best thing about this podcasting thing. Well, yeah, it's
5: funny. I don't I don't say it all that often, but we do two shows a week, right? We do we do the recap show and then we do a listener feedback show, and in a way, I enjoy the listener feedback shows. A little bit more because it involves that communication from other fans and just getting to hear what they think and reading their emails and playing their calls and talking about that so I love it all but that's is one of the most rewarding parts about it to, to be able to communicate and you know just have have the conversation with with all these other fans
4: Chris and I talk uh, like I said we uh, this is like our conversation like uh-huh. we would have whether we had the podcast or not but with uh, with the podcast, the conversation includes so much more people, and uh, it's like a a group of people get together and talk about the show on a, on a weekly basis. It's fantastic.
0: Have you ever heard anything from people who listen to the show that like you were there when I was in the hospital, or I take you along, for example, their jobs, or do you ever get any of that kind of fan reaction?
5: Yeah, I get I get quite a bit. I mean, we haven't gotten too many uh like hospital stories or anything but i mean all people tell me all the time they listen at work they listen while they're running while they're walking the dog you know doing doing whatever there's there's been one or two where where folks have let us know that they were going through a rough time or whatever and for, for whatever reason. And, and, you know, they, they found us and, you know, went back to the beginning of 300 plus episodes and started listening through and it helped them get through a tough time. So I can't say that happens very often uh, to us, but we do hear, we do hear from people who uh, tell us how they listen all the time. And that's, that's great to hear. I I love it. You know, it's, it's, it's really fun.
0: And that is the strength and the joy of podcasting right there. When you hear from people that you're actually affecting their life, not just in a way that puts a smile on someone's face, but that they carry you in their daily day-to-day work, daily day, day-to-day life, that that really says a lot. And that's something that ratings can't get you. That's something that uh, it's very personal and one-to-one kind of a thing. Because- it is,
5: and I, I feel so grateful You know that, that there are people out there listening to us just coming along on this this journey with us and i've i've had the same experience i've been listening to podcasts myself for a long time and the longer you listen to someone you feel like you get to know them a little bit and uh i think that's a really wonderful feeling for me anyways i i enjoy that sort of thing and if there are people out there that kind of feel like that about us, you know, it's, it's just super humbling and, and, uh, we love hearing from them. So I do my best to, uh, respond to as many of those people as I can, because we do get a lot of feedback these days, which is fantastic, but it can be monumentous task to stay on top of all of it.
4: I've gone back to, you know, I've found podcasts that I, I enjoyed and I've gone and there's been a couple of hundred episodes and I've gone back and started at the beginning and try and get through them. Some of them have been uh, harder than others, but other ones have been uh, extremely enjoyable.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, you guys are kind of helping us kick off this show, and... uh as you know, I've, I've mentioned to Chris that we do genre-specific shows. For example, we do a Kiss show, we do a Monkey show, we do a Cheap Trick show, and so on and so forth. This is now going to be opening up to all of pop culture, and we are going to be doing a segment called What's Poppin." So I'm going to ask you, what's something that you loved? I'm going to ask you who your favorite band or performer was, and favorite tv show and or movie of all time take it away the questions three chris
5: okay so favorite band should mm. we start there yeah of all time mm-hmm. or right now
0: however it f- works for you it can be the first one that grabbed you i'll try not to be too
5: long-winded here but too late the first <laughs> yeah thanks <laughs> no kidding <laughs> The the first artist that I really loved, an album that I really loved, was Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. And that is because I can remember the day my dad brought home that record on vinyl, put it on, and it just blew me away. And I listened to it constantly for a long time, and you know, my dad was a huge fan, and I was a huge fan, and it was amazing. As I started to create my own taste in music, my favorite band as, as a kid was Guns N' Roses. What can I say, I just was super into that. I was the right age, I think, and I absolutely loved it. But my favorite band right now is a group out of Austin, Texas called Quiet Company. They are a really fantastic kind of indie rock kind of band, and that's sort of what I've grown to, to love for a long time. And uh, I highly recommend everyone check check them out quiet company out of austin texas
0: Jason you uh you take your musical love uh, tell us about your 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 love of music and and who you really dig so my love of music is a complicated subject
4: and it's because <laughs> uh you know back to being a performer I was a drummer in a band for in bands mm-hmm. for a lot of years and it's always been uh, for me the love of performing rather than the love of music as a thing and I've always thought of music as uh, an event rather than a thing, Uh so I've always, I enjoy playing music, and I've always said, ever since I was young and first started playing, for being a musician, I'm surprisingly uninterested in music, and uh, that being said, I think my favorite band of all time has to be, and Chris probably knows this, ACDC, is, Ah. uh, it's, they're, they're, in my opinion, perfect. I can't imagine anything uh, that doesn't make me happy but any acdc song that ever i put on or hear on the radio or hear anywhere it just fills me with uh dopamine and i'm just i get a nice happy feeling it's uh they're perfect in my opinion
0: well there you go what was the first one that like like the first band or whatever i don't care if it was the banana splits when you were a kid was there something that you saw as a kid that went like i like that you know whatever it was
4: there's two things. One, my, uh, my stepfather, uh, a, he a, was a big music fan, and he had, a lot, he had a huge vinyl collection. He would bring stuff in, and uh, some of his favorites ended up being some of my favorites. Some of my earliest happy memories of listening to music was uh, Steely Dan. Uh, I loved Steely Dan. I loved Joe Cocker. I remember having an 8-track tape of Joe Cocker, and I listened to it over and over and over again. I don't even remember what album it was now, and I don't like to even look it up. I don't even know how to find it. I just all I know is I had this beat-up eight-track cassette that I just threw in and listened to. Uh, the I think one of the bands that uh, that got me into performing as a drummer is uh, Guns N' Roses. Like Chris, "Sweet Child of Mine" that came on the radio, and for being a non-drummer at the time, I could figure out the drum part for the whole thing, and I was like, "Well, if that guy can do it, I can do it." And so I started being a drummer, <laughs> and, and then he got kicked out of the band for uh, for being a drug addict. <laughs> That's what happened I, I in you your band too, isn't it? Not me though. No, <laughs> someone else. Yes, not me. For <laughs> okay.
0: anybody who has not heard your show, one of the benefits that you hear of it is weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is it, Chris? What do you always call it? It's uh,
5: stuff that happened to Jason in the nineties. Yeah, shit
0: Jason did in the nineties. Yeah, weird right. shit Jason did in the nineties, and it's it's you you never know. You might be talking about high grade explosives or dressing up as Dorothy or oh and, yeah. And who knows? That could be the same story. <laughs> yeah. The it thing is actually, it is. the thing about it is, Jason
5: has had, and this is an outsider perspective. Jason has had a an extremely interesting, fulfilling life, it seems like. I mean, this is a guy who did basic training in the military, also performed as a clown for children. I mean, who can say <laughs> they've done those two things? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? And that leads to a lot of interesting, fascinating experiences, I think.
4: Well, you know, to be fair, both of those involved music. I was in the pipe right. band for with the military, which led me to go through basic training, and I was in a clown band. With right. performing for for children, so it's it's music is a is a running thread through everything. Well, see, yeah. it's
0: it's weird for me. I just wanted to do anything I ever wanted to do. So, if I wanted to be a newspaper reporter, I would get a job at a newspaper and and report. If I wanted to be a photographer, I'd get a camera and take pictures and sell them, you know. And if I wanted to be in a band, I'd start a band. If I wanted to be a stand up comedian, I did stand up. People don't believe what you can accomplish in life but it really comes down to like yeah i was in a band i didn't play madison square garden but i got to be in a band you know a lot of people shut down their dreams and it's kind of sad that they just oh that's for somebody else no it's for you and and that's one of the things i love about podcasting is that podcasting is the new hey do you want to start a band
5: <laughs> yeah that's right hey do you want to start a podcast
0: yeah it, you know, it, it, it happens it, all the time yeah it's <laughs> like when you're kids you you want to start a softball team and then you want to start a band and then later in your late 20s you start a softball league just to try to stay active then it turns into fantasy football and now it's do you want to start a podcast so
5: and sounds like uh,
0: work, you know, and it sounds things. like a Disney song. Do you want to start a podcast? <laughs> yeah, could be anyway. So, your favorite uh, TV show—the the one so that you geek out about.
5: One of my all-time favorite TV shows is the original Twilight Zone. I think I've said that on podcasts a few times before, but it's—I just love it. It's one of the, you know, earliest shows to explore a genre that I that I love, and I just love everything about it. I can watch Twilight Zone over and over again. Currently, over the years, you know, I was a big Lost fan. Lost is one of the shows that really brought me back into watching TV constantly. (laughs) You know, before that I wasn't watching as much TV, but now we're in this golden age and I feel like Lost almost started it in a way. Currently, you know, my favorite shows, I did quite enjoy Westworld quite a bit, although I did think it had some issues. And uh, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, of course, and shows like um, Donald Glover's Atlanta, I really like right now. So. But, but if, if I had to pick one all time, it's probably the original Twilight Zone still.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Jason? So I think my favorite show of all time is uh, West Wing. Uh, the West Wing I really enjoyed. Uh, and the reason I enjoyed that show, I have two shows that I want to mention. First is West Wing, and the reason for that one is that uh, all the characters were on the same side. Whereas a lot of the shows that, uh, that you watch, either today or over, over time, it's always about the conflict between characters. And uh, The West Wing was different in that it was our core group of characters against the rest of the world. And mm-hmm. I liked that. And they were, uh, they were nice to each other. They relied on, on each other. They, uh, they liked each other. Uh, so that was different enough for me to actually really enjoy it. And I like that kind of thing. It's the same reason I, I was in a band. Because it was, you know, a group of people working towards a, a similar goal. It's the same reason I'm doing podcasting. You know, it's me and Chris. You know, we don't always agree, but a lot of times we do agree. Uh, so yeah, The West Wing. I think overall was my it's, it's my favorite show that I've uh, I've ever seen. Uh, I also I'm going to agree with Chris in that uh, I enjoyed. I really enjoyed Lost. I enjoyed it for slightly different reasons. Or well, not different reasons, but. Uh, One of the reasons I really like Lost is because it coincided with my discovery of podcasting. There was a a Lost podcast that I listened to after every episode, and they did the same thing. They had a recap Uh episode and a feedback episode, so two shows a week, and I would listen to that about Lost, and that enhanced my enjoyment of that show. I mean, Lost was a good show on its own, but that coupled with being part of a community and listening to a podcast just enhanced it that much more. And that's one of the reasons I really like Lost.
0: Uh-huh. Very good. Uh, movies, favorite movies of all time? Just, just pick three and knock them off. Jason.
3: Oh,
4: uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is the, the Goodbye Girl, 1977, Richard Dreyfuss. Kind of a romantic comedy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know why I like that movie, but I've always liked it. I recently watched it with my wife like uh, a week ago, and she said, oh, that was cute. So
2: she kind of liked
4: it. It Sounds like she loved it, man. Well, it also has, uh, you know, I haven't watched it in a long time. So it it had 1977 morality as far as uh, dating goes. So, you know, he tries to kiss her. She says no. He keeps trying to kiss her. She says no. He keeps trying to kiss her. She says no. She she eventually says yes and falls in love. So, (laughs) you know, nowadays it doesn't really play that well. It's like, hey, man, listen to her. She's saying no. What's the matter with you? But back in 1977. Apparently that was cute as far as the movie goes.
0: Uh, Now that's a film that doesn't really lend itself to merchandising. Can you imagine that being the kid taking that lunch pail to school? (laughs) Right.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Star Wars, another movie, favorite movie of mine, uh, simply out of sheer quantity. Uh, I've watched that movie so many times that uh, it's part of my DNA now. My my son, who's uh, just five months old now, probably loves that movie even though he's never seen it. A third one, like trying to think of a third one that I've really, really enjoyed recently. Uh, I'm going to pass on the third one. I can't think of anything else talking about it. Maybe I'll think of something while Chris is talking.
5: All right, well, I'll just bang off three then. I'll say The Empire Strikes Back, Back to the Future, and The Shining.
4: Oh, Shining. That's a good movie. Oh,
5: three good three movies I love quite a bit, yeah.
0: Well, hopefully they'll put out a goodbye girl lunchbox at some point, and that'll make Jason <laughs> smile. I make my own. Isn't yeah, the the trading card set. right very good they'll sell
5: one pack to jason miles
0: yeah (laughs) well guys i don't want to take up any more of your time but i've really enjoyed having you on pop here today and i listen to your show i even listen to your show when you talk about a, a, a tv show i don't really care for so to me that's the ultimate compliment awesome you you represent your your country well you represent podcasting well and i just think that you're all around swell guys so thanks so much man thank you for being on pop today and i look forward to hearing from you and of course the walking dead returns on
5: February 12th. February
0: 12th. And you guys will probably make a full reappearance doing the follow-up to that show probably the next day or the day after that.
5: Should be out on the night
0: late on the 13th some point. Yep. So I look forward to hearing more from you and we want to turn our people on to you. Where can they find The Talking Dead podcast?
5: The easiest thing to do is hit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com or just search for The Talking Dead on iTunes. You will find us there.
0: Very good. All right. Well, thank you for being on Pop, and we will be seeing you.
4: Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.
0: Well, Courtney, I'm back. Uh, you, I see you survived The Onslaught of the Walking Dead, which is returning to AMC in February. Here we come. No! Just in time for Valentine's Day, isn't that beautiful?
3: Please God, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How romantic. That's that's the time you want to embrace the love of your life, eat some candy, and watch The Walking and, Dead.
1: And dry heave.
0: <laughs> well it, it, what you do in your love life is up to you. <laughs>
1: what's funny is you think I'm joking when I said I'm sitting here sweating. Mm-hmm. It's 100% true. That's how freaked out I am right now wow. that we're talking about this.
0: Should I admit that? No, it's funny.
1: <laughs> I'm scared.
0: So the hit AMC show, The Walking Dead, comes back for the second half of season seven on Sunday, February 12th, just in time for Valentine's Day. <laughs> 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 Scaredy cat. <laughs> so for, for those of you uh, who love The Walking Dead, we hope you enjoyed that interview and we're getting ready to take off here in pop. We're ready to to leave the pop headquarters here. But before we do that, Courtney, what's popping in your world? What new pop cultural thing have you dug up or are um- into?
1: Well, I guess I I guess this applies. I went to the Kiss I went to my first Kiss Expo this Ooh, weekend. How was it? It was really fun, you know. It was kind of I was by myself and I thought I'd see people I knew and I didn't really. So, mm-hmm. um the only person who really talked to me was the drummer from Chris, but I didn't really know, you know, and that was just to tell me which way to go. Like I you know that part <laughs> That part was kind of a bummer. But other than that, I really enjoyed the speakers and, of course, like the highlight. And I bought some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I got, I'm i really into solo faces stuff. I just, I don't know why I'm super drawn to that. And, 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 it,
0: and, and for those who don't know, when you say solo faces, Kiss put out four solo albums back in 1978. And we're talking about the artwork that followed each one of those, correct? Yes. Okay.
1: That's what I mean. Yes, so I'm very, I'm really drawn to that, and uh, so I got some cool stuff with solo faces, and I'm also drawn to the dynasty costumes. Mm-hmm. So those are, that's kind of also awesome my thing. So um, there was kiss some cool on stuff ice. there, huh?
0: Kiss on ice.
1: Basically, yeah. Gosh, that's a very excellent colorful kiss
0: costumes.
1: Yes, they were, and yeah, I got some cool stuff, and, and Bruce Kulick got up and played with Pris, which is mm-hmm. probably the highlight of the day.
0: Bruce Kulick is an underrated member of Kiss for sure. Just mm-hmm. a fantastic instrumentalist, and he's uh, now with Grand Funk Railroad. He yes, was he with is. Meatloaf, and he's done a lot of session work, and just a fantastic guitar player, and really one of the sweetest people you'd ever meet.
1: Oh my gosh, he's so nice. He talks to everybody, and he's yeah. just so kind and um, super talented. It was it was kind of like it was pretty cool that he got up and played with them, and mm-hmm. you know, and they and they did. Um, God gave rock and roll. God gave rock and roll to you. I don't know why I'm saying it like you that. You sound like
0: but... uh, an, an, an extra from Braveheart. <laughs> yeah. God gave rock and roll to you.
1: He gave it to all of us. He <laughs> gave it to you. I'm sorry. I don't do accents.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah, you're doing pretty good. You raise your <laughs> sword up, you've got your kilt on, you're ready so, to go.
1: Bruce gave rock and roll to us and it was pretty it was pretty cool. The only bummer was I got there so late I didn't get to line up to meet Peter Chris, which I suck for that because that's that was a big part of the day. So
0: And for those who don't know who Peter Chris is, he's the original drummer of Kiss and he was the guy who sang Beth and so many other cool tunes with yes, the original and Kiss.
1: And our one of my favorite Kiss songs, Mainline.
0: Ah, so, Mainline, that's a good one.
1: It is a good song.
0: And you were telling me you bought a new CD. I
1: uh, did. I bought the Smithereens. I bought a live Smithereens because of you and Christine. Aww. And we got on a power pop music conversation. And you got—I can't believe I did not. I—I li- I, I know I knew the songs, but I can't believe I wasn't more into them mm-hmm. when I was in high school and junior high school. You know when you know when they were at their peak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what's wrong with me that I missed that that bus. But I'm really digging it.
0: So oh. you recommend to people to check out the Smithereens. And yeah. I'm going to mention something that's got me popping this week. You you turned me on into to a deeper world of the rock band Squeeze. Oh, yes. And I've been really digging them a lot. Thank you so much for turning me on to Squeeze. Uh, I've always been a fan of theirs, but you you got me into the deeper cuts. So
1: Yes, I'm a very big fan. I have everything Squeeze, all mm-hmm. the un- all the stuff that Kiss you Kiss guys have of Kiss. I have of Squeeze. Like right. that's I, I really I'm very into the music and I've seen them quite a few times live. Mm-hmm. But one of the cool things about going to see Squeeze is when you go see just Glenn Tilbrook by himself or Chris Difford by mm-hmm. himself. That's an interesting evening. Mm-hmm. You're gonna hear some good tunes.
0: Very good. I also bought a Fountains of Wayne CD, which ah, is which one? Good. It's the uh, Sky Full of Holes. So I finally okay. finally picked that up. I've been meaning to pick that up for a while. And
1: I'm sorry. Sky Full of Holes has my favorite Fountains of Wayne song on it, Cold Comfort Flowers.
0: Mm, that That is a good track. It is. So check them out. And I also picked up A Day to Remember. It's a band out of Ocala, Florida. A Day to Remember and their album Homesick. So I like them a lot. They're kind of like... Uh, what people call mall rock or whatever, which is unfair. It's just hard rock with uh, some really good pop sensibilities. So Cool. I dig it. I dig it a lot.
1: I'll check it out. You
3: know, aren't always what they seem. I said it never lets you go, and I never did. I said it never lets you fall.
0: So we want to tell everybody to listen to Chris and Jason over at the talking dead podcast. We want to remind everybody once again, that the walking dead is coming back just in time for Valentine's day. When love is in the air and grossness. So there you go. (laughs) So let us know what's popping in your world, right? Yeah. Find us on Facebook and there will be links in the show notes. We will see you as part of that conversation. So catch us on the next one. We will be doing The Muppets and more. So look forward to that. So it's time to pop on out of here. So we will see you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Pop, a pop culture podcast. Pop. Anyway. And that's
1: our show. Pop is an online nonprofit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. POP, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the POP staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever POP is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops.
0: I'm groovy. Yeah,
1: I'm hip. I'm hip. Uh,
0: I'm cool. I'm groovy. Chicks dig me because I rarely wear underwear. But when I do... when I do... Yeah. God, stripes is so good.
4: You know, now that you mention it, that does sound like a UPS sound.
5: <laughs> yeah, it was. It it, it, I, it when the battery needs to be replaced, it emits this anno- super loud, annoying whining sound. Apparently, and uh, and that's what that was. So I had to shut everything down, and turn it off, and turn it back on again, and. I'm really hoping it doesn't start up again, but right now it
0: says everything's okay. Oddly enough, that's the same noise my ex-wife's made when they needed replacing. <laughs> <laughs> when they needed replacing, all right.
5: Uh, all right, let me just get back up and running here. When they and... make a
0: difficult noise, it's time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming in nice.
5: All right. Ultra, test one, ultra, ultra sexy voice. Ultra sexy. Ultra um, sexy. All right, I think... I am back up and running here. Fingers crossed that that doesn't happen again. Of course,
0: the sexiest voice on your show is your wife, Chris.
5: Well, I, I, I would probably tend
0: to agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, just uh, two Canadian guys just don't float the boat. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> not, yeah, I, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> no,
4: that does not surprise me.
0: <laughs> By the way, to... I, I would like That's maturity okay. oh, points. For for not pointing out that you said fresh and taint in the same sentence earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. and and since I have now mentioned it, I have invalidated any points I would have received. So, <laughs> <months those> those... <species> <sighs> so... <Sš3> <utches> blah blue Music to pass the time while <clears> we're doing looking <clears> up things. Okay, filibustering. rings We're all fucked. 2017. We're all fucked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Nice little sting. Yep.
0: (laughs) This is Gene Simmons of the Rock Kiss, and you're listening to The Talking Dead. Congratulations (laughs) on 300 episodes. Do you guys get paid for this crap? <laughs> but, uh,
4: <laughs> oh, I wish you'd done that. You can
3: still you do it. I, I still can do it.
4: I still Record can your favorite scene.